Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thank you for tuning in. Gold has basically been treading water this week, caught between safe haven buying due to the tanking stock market and headwinds caused by increasing interest rates. The price fell off early in the week as the dollar gained some strength, but it rallied yesterday, recouping some of those losses. This morning, gold has dropped about 3 bucks so far. As I record this, the price is at 1314.20, silver is trading at 1637, and the silver gold ratio stands at about 80.42. Of course, the big news this week was in the stock market. The bears were running on Wall Street again yesterday. After a record drop of 1,175 points on Tuesday and a rebound on Wednesday, the Dow shed another 1,333 points on Thursday. That's a 6.5% drop in just four days, the steepest decline in any week since October 2008. The S&P 500 has shed 6.6% of its value, its second worst drop since 2008. The Nasdaq has also tanked, giving up all of its 2018 gains. Even with the market tanking, bond yields continue to flirt with multi-year highs. The 10-year Treasury closed at 2.851 yesterday. At one point, it hit 2.884, just below a four-year high, even as the stock market dropped. As Peter Schiff noted in his podcast last night, that big drop didn't make interest rates go down. It just kept them from going up even more. Meanwhile, Congress passed a massive stopgap budget deal after a brief government shutdown overnight. The two-year plan hikes spending by nearly $300 billion and increases the debt ceiling. It offers no cuts to offset this new spending and no new revenue streams. In other words, the government will have to borrow every penny to fund these additional outlays. The plan authorizes $80 billion in disaster relief and about $160 billion for the Pentagon. It includes some $128 billion spending for non-defense programs, including $10 billion to invest in infrastructure. According to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, $300 billion in additional spending will ensure the annual budget deficit will exceed $1 trillion in 2019. So that brings us back to the bond yields. How in the world is the government going to finance more deficit spending with bond yields going up? In simple terms, this means it's going to cost the government more to borrow its money, significantly more. Every uptick in the interest rate raises the amount of money the government has to pay each year to service the existing debt. That means the deficit is going to go up even faster than projected. Now, think about that for a second. We're supposed to be in a time of recovery. That means, according to the Keynesians, the deficit should be going down, not up. But we're going to have more borrowing, and as the interest rates go up, even more borrowing. Do you see the vicious cycle here? On top of that, the Fed plans to shrink its balance sheet. That means it will not be rolling over bonds as they mature. In effect, it's going to increase the supply of treasuries out there in the marketplace. Meanwhile, China says it's going to stop buying U.S. debt. So who is going to buy the treasuries necessary to finance this spending boondoggle? Anybody that tells you deficits don't matter is out of their mind. Of course they matter. People act like this is all just theoretical, academic, political talk. It's not. It's literally government by credit card. And it's fundamentally no different than you running up big bills on your MasterCard and Visa. The difference is you don't have a printing press. So the federal government can kick the can down the road by printing more money. 
But that has ramifications too. All of that new money has to go somewhere. People like Paul Krugman like to run around and poo-poo those of us who warn about inflation. They point back to the years after the 08 crash and they say, look, we printed money, see no inflation. Everything is fine. Paul, dude, have you looked at the stock market? There's your inflation. It's a big, fat, ugly bubble. They've managed to pump up another housing bubble. There's a new car bubble, a student loan bubble. All of that printed money is out there. Just because we haven't seen consumer prices go up, and we have seen them go up in a lot of areas, doesn't mean there's no inflation. Anyway, you can directly connect the recent stock market woes with the increasing levels of debt, coupled with rising interest rates. This is a huge flashing red light. This is a theme we've been talking about over the last few weeks, even though the fake financial news reports don't seem to have a clue. Most of the mainstream analysts continue to express optimism, and they say don't worry about this stock market drop. It's a correction because the fundamentals haven't changed. And, and you know that's actually true. As Peter put it, the fundamentals sucked before the market started to go down, and they still suck. It's never been about the fundamentals. It's always been a bubble. It's mania. It's irrational exuberance. And what's the foundation of this mania? Cheap money low interest rates. We've had record low rates that have been propping up asset prices, and now it's all changing. Interest rates are rising. People had better start paying attention. It's interesting because whenever the stock market went down during the Obama years, somebody from the Fed would come along and suggest, ah, maybe we'll just keep doing some QE. They would throw the market a little bone. Well, so far, the Fed doesn't seem inclined to do that. In fact, yesterday, New York Fed President William Dudley said, so far, I'd say this is small potatoes, and he insisted that rate hikes need to continue. I thought it was pretty funny how Peter put it. He said, we just had 1,000 small potatoes, and this is going to be mashed potatoes. Instead of throwing the market a bone, Dudley threw it an anchor. The question is, how much longer will the Fed be able to do this? If the Federal Reserve doesn't save the market, there's nobody there to save it. I agree with Peter. I think eventually the Fed's going to step in and stop all of this rate height talk, even reverse course, and try to push interest rates back down again. The bottom line is the stock market is falling because interest rates are rising. Until the Fed gives up the mantra that everything is great, the economy is great, and we're just going to keep hiking rates, the stock market is likely going to fall. Interest rates are going to keep on rising. There's nothing to stop it. And eventually, the economic data has to follow suit. This whole recovery is based on an asset bubble, a wealth effect. And when the wealth goes away, that has an effect too. It's too early to tell if the stock market plunges this week are a correction or a prelude to the real crash or if this is the beginning. But like everybody keeps saying, you have to look at the fundamentals, and they ain't good, ladies and gentlemen. In other news, the budding German love affair with gold is apparently more than just a fling. Germans buy a lot of their gold from Australia. According to the Brisbane Times, gold exports from the land down under rose sharply last year, with Germany serving as a big driver. Germans spent some $8 billion on gold investment products. The report said German investors are seeking refuge from the country's negative interest rates and quantitative easing. And a big factor was, quote, nervous Germans moving to protect their wealth in a way that has been around for centuries. Gold inflows into ETFs continued the positive trend from last year. Gold-backed ETFs added 27.6 tons of gold last month, growing assets by 5%. Global gold-backed ETFs collectively held 2,396 tons of the yellow metal at the end of July, with a value of about $103.6 billion. 
For the first time in several months, North American funds saw the biggest increase. U.S.-listed ETFs accounted for 73% of global net inflows in January, reversing the 27 trend in which European funds dominated net inflows. North American funds added 21.5 tons of gold last month, valued at about $940 million. European funds also saw net inflows, adding 7.6 tons in January. Asian funds had net outflow of about 1.4 tons during the month. Other regions saw marginal outflows of just one-tenth of a ton. These ETFs are backed by physical gold, held by the issuer, and are traded on the market like stocks. They allow investors to play gold without having to buy full ounces of gold at spot price. Speculative investors like the liquidity. There are certainly good reasons to invest in ETFs, but they aren't a substitute for owning physical metal. In an overall investment strategy, Shift Gold recommends buying gold bullion first. You can learn more about the difference between ETFs and physical gold by talking to one of our precious metal specialists. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160 today. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and much more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.